0: I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, Chris Hemsworth trades Thor's hammer for a machine gun and lays waste to many, many enemies in the Netflix movie Extraction. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun, Kimmy Schmidt is back, and you get to decide what she does next. And we'll review this week's two-hour episode and preview the season finale for Global's Survivor, Winners at War. And before we get going here, first a reminder, Jeff is at home. I'm back in studio as we continue to physically distance ourselves during the pandemic. So any audio hiccups or trip ups, we can't see each other. Just in case you're wondering what's wrong with those two idiots other than, you know, the usual. Absolutely. And we'll start with Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It had its series finale on
1: Netflix more than a year ago, but it's back this week with a new interactive special called Kimmy versus the Reverend. My name's Kimmy Schmidt. I've been through a lot, but I found where I'm meant to be. What do I do next? Frederick! Hello, my love. There is so much to be done before our wedding, like practicing for our honeymoon. Oh, boy. I do like kissing you. And I, you. But planning is also fun. What is wrong with you?
0: Why are you making these two pasty children tongue down? This is a huge opportunity. We can do whatever we want. Titus, are you kidding?
1: If I were, you'd be chuckling right now. Chuckling hard. Ah! Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt stars Ellie Kemper as Kimmy, Titus Burgess as Titus Andromedon, Jane Krakowski as Jacqueline, and Carol Kane as Lillian. The series comes from Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. If you like Thirty Rock, you'll probably like Kimmy Schmidt. It's the same people and it's the same style of out there comedy with only the thinnest grasp of reality. Kimmy versus the Reverend arrives on Netflix May twelfth. That's this Tuesday. And if you enjoyed the show, you'll have fun with this. It's a choose your own adventure style special. Although that was a trademark series of books, so. refer to this as an interactive special and in fact there is a book in the show that is like the choose your own adventure book but they call it a pick your own journey or in the case of the British fellow played by Daniel Radcliffe he calls it a whence thither book Netflix has had some great success with this format in the past with that Black Mirror special Bandersnatch doing the same thing this is just uh, a different genre, obviously. Comedy offers some other opportunities, I imagine, although I didn't actually watch the Black Mirror special. The way it works is, as the story goes along, it'll come to a crossroads, and you choose the path. It starts with, should Kimmy choose the fun dress or the fancy dress, and then it would split into different scenes. Some of them, I'm sure, are pretty minor, but some could have major story implications. I will say that inside of ten minutes, I killed a major character with a bad choice. At that point, they sort of forced me back to my last decision to choose the other option. Some seemed pretty benign. I mean, one option was for the character Titus to take a nap or not, so I chose Titus takes a nap and then watched him fall asleep and have a crazy dream. But in the episode where Kimmy tries to solve a mystery with very high stakes and the evil reverend, he's not a real reverend, played again by John Hamm, tries to thwart her, Kimmy goes on this long journey, and one of the choices you have to make is choosing who from her gang of friends goes with her. That happens pretty early on, and it had to have major implications on everything that came after because different characters were all sudden in vastly different locations for most of the rest of the show. So on IMDb, it's listed as being one hour and 20 minutes. I didn't time it when I watched it, and I paused it a lot, so it would have been hard to tell anyways. But I imagine based on your choices, the running time would have to vary somewhat now as fun as it all is and I do look forward to going through it again and choosing some of the different paths I am enough of a completist that it's either going to bother me that it'll be this huge chore to try to find every single possible path and joke that's layered in there I tried searching on the internet for information on the number of permutations or whatever but I couldn't find anything maybe there'll be more info in the next week or so on that hopefully though is what I I hope I can just like put it behind me quickly enough without having to get too wrapped up in because it is the sort of thing where I would just spend hours upon hours going through a last time I did a, this time I'll do b. Bah, 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 back and forth, back and forth. Regardless of the gimmick, though, it is the same great comedy that Kimi Schmidt always is, and it's great to be able to go back into the world again. That comes out on Netflix on Tuesday.
0: All right, and thanks to Netflix for giving us access to some of their preview content so Jeff could have a look at that. Now, what platform did you watch it on? Like, did you use your phone, your computer, your TV? El-
1: I used, uh, yeah, the early access stuff doesn't work through my cable, so I had to use a watch on my laptop. Okay, which was hooked up to my TV, so it's still on my TV.
0: But. Okay, yeah, because when Bandersnatch came out for that Black Mirror thing last year, I have Netflix on my Blu-ray player, but my Blu-ray player is ten years old, so yeah. it wouldn't work on that. But I, I did, I was able to, to do it on my phone. So you have to essentially have a newer version of the app, whether it's a phone or, as you pointed out, your laptop. I imagine it would work. I'll be curious. I'll have to check it out uh, to see if it would work on my uh, PVR because I do have Netflix. Hooked up through my PVR I don't see why it wouldn't work there But if not, I can always use my phone I will tell you that the Black Mirror special Which was pretty cool That had over, I think, close to 350 minutes Of possible footage Oh my god, but how long was Like a once through? It was like 90 minutes yeah, they wouldn't, they would, no, no matter which path you would take it, it would end up running out to turning out to be about 90 minutes. A uh, cool thing, two of these interactive things is if you watch them at the same time as, like if you're with a friend, or in your case, maybe with your girlfriend, if you were to watch it with her just to see uh, how different your stories end up. So that was, because oh, that's, yeah. what, that's what I did uh, last year. I watched it with somebody uh, who was watching on their phone while I was watching on mine uh, for that Black Mirror thing. So this is cool, and just watching the trailer, it looks like a lot of fun. As far just the the extra comedy, the the extra goofy stuff they can do within the format, the kind of winking at the audience, sort of stuff. And Kimmy Schmidt is a great show for that because they're doing all sorts of weird, crazy,
1: like stuff that would be a party foul on any show that was trying to be, you know, based in reality to begin with. So they have an easy time just getting away with somebody looking at the
0: camera or saying something like really meta. All right. Good for Netflix for putting this out. Looks like fun. I've never actually watched an episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and uh, maybe I'll have to check this one out. Although, I suspect, because I got yelled at when I watched Bandersnatch. It was the first Black Mirror I'd ever watched, and one of my buddies who had been trying to get me to watch Black Mirror for years said, no, that can't be the first episode of the show that you watched. (laughs) Because apparently, in terms of Black Mirror, it's not very good. I've watched most of Black Mirror since then. but I thought Bandersnatch was pretty good. Anyway, I watched a movie that debuted on Netflix, uh, a couple weeks back, just watched this week. It's been trending in and out of the top 10 in Canada. Chris Hemsworth stars in Extraction. Something's
1: wrong. The city's on lockdown. Yeah, no The job is f, Tyler.
0: Tyler.
1: Just find my money. That kid is a walking corpse. And there's no way to protect him. You have a family. Yeah, son. He died a few years ago. The best thing you could do for that kid would be to put a bullet in his brain.
0: We can send a chopper and get you out. But you're going to leave the kid behind.
1: Are you going to leave me in the
0: street? <laughs> I'll get you home. So Hemsworth plays Tyler Rake a fearless black market mercenary who embarks on the deadliest mission of his career when he's enlisted to rescue the kidnapped son of an international crime lord. And that's the, the basic plot. That's all you need to know about the plot, because it is super simple. It was produced by Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of a bunch of the Marvel movies, including Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. It was written by Joe Russo and directed by Sam Hargrave, making his directorial debut for a feature film. He's done a lot of the stunt coordination for the Russos and those Marvel movies also some second unit direction but this is his first feature film which means it's action packed and features some really impressive stunt stuff when I saw the trailer for this I got excited I thought hey there's a Netflix movie that actually looks pretty good but then I saw how it did on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad, but not great. 68% with the summary. Spectacular stunt work and an electric performance from Chris Hemsworth can't save Extraction from being dragged down by its aimless violence. And boy, it is indeed violent. Listen to this amusing tweet from Netflix. The least believable part of Extraction is that at no point do any of the 183 people that Chris Hemsworth kills mention how ridiculously good-looking he is. 183? Like, I didn't go through it to wow. to count if that's actually how many people he put down. And that's just the number of people he apparently kills. Never mind the other people who get blown away in this movie. So, yeah, a lot of people die in extraction. But when I'd read those initial thoughts about it being super violent, I was expecting it to be brutally violent, like painfully violent or unpleasantly so. But most of the kills are pretty clean and simple. Gunshot, guy goes down. So I never found it to be a distraction nor did I find it to be offensive. They are in an ugly seedy underworld and the number of people who uh, r- the number of people who died, I think, just represented the horrible situation they were in, and it showcases just how good Tyler Rake is at taking care of business. I mean, he kills more people than John Wick. Apparently, John Wick killed 128 what? people in John Wick Chapter Two, so maybe Tyler Rake needs to, Tyler Rake needs to take on John Wick. I would be down with that. <laughs> I know. Well, the, anybody
1: can take on John Wick
0: and then they would lose. (laughs) If anything, the constant killing actually gets a little boring, but... The action is pretty spectacular, especially there's one particular section about 37 minutes in that's stitched together to look like a continuous 12-minute shot. And I love those moments when I finally realize, oh my God, they haven't cut the scene yet. It just sucks me in. And it is a super creative scene. It's relentless. It's nerve-wracking. And it is fun. But because of that scene, Hemsworth says Extraction was the most exhausting shoot of his career because it was made to look like one continuous shot they couldn't use stand-ins or stunt doubles for it so he was wiped out worth pointing out too that Extraction is reportedly on track to be Netflix's most streamed movie ever with Netflix saying they're expecting up to 90 million streams in the first four weeks alone a sequel is in the works given how the movie ends not entirely sure how that'll work but there's something rather ambiguous at the end that makes you wonder could it be anyway I didn't love this movie But I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Hemsworth has such screen presence and he really does deliver a great emotional performance here. And he's just so damn handsome. Also, I kind of want to watch it again because I think his hair actually gets shorter as the movie goes along. So I just want to double check that continuity situation. Also, David Barber has a small but crucial supporting role. I forgot he was in it. So when he popped up I was delighted. Not the best movie ever That's made. That's the guy from Stranger Things? Yes. Or did I say Barber? David Harbour. I knew it as soon as I said it. No, that, that doesn't sound right. David Harbour. Yeah, he's got a uh, small but crucial supporting role, so I was happy when he popped up. But hey, not the best movie ever made. It's a good time though Great action So if you don't mind a movie Where a lot of people die Check out Extraction I'm going to give it Three and a half couch cushions Out of five Up next we'll tell you What's coming to home video And I've got a couple more thoughts On stuff that is on Netflix And stuff that is coming To Netflix this weekend You're listening to The Couch Potatoes
1: Please listen to me Please right don't. I see you
0: You're saying the person Trying to kill you Is in the room right now But we can't see him Someone sitting in that chair. He has figured out a way to be invisible. That's ridiculous. You don't know him. He said that wherever I went, he would find me.
1: And I wouldn't be able to see him. Show yourself! Come on!
0: I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes, having a look at what is coming to home video. Jeff, what was that? That was The Invisible Man,
1: starring Elizabeth Moss. And it got good reviews, isn't it? 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. And anecdotally, people I know that saw it said they really liked it. I I read or listened to a spoiler thing, so I know the whole plot, even though I didn't see it because I'm never going to see it. Because it looked legit freaky and maybe not like gross and gory. But it just looked like it would scare the bejesus out of me. So I was like, no, but apparently it's got some cool twists along the way. And uh, after listening to the spoilers and stuff, I was like, oh, that's actually a pretty clever way to make a movie. So uh, the Invisible Man on digital HD on Tuesday on Blu-ray on tu- and DVD on Tuesday. There's Birds of Prey from the DC Extended Universe. I guess uh, technically it's a sequel to Suicide Squad, right? Yep. Yeah, starring Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. That uh, came in at 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, as well as The Call of the Wild, starring Harrison Ford and a CGI dog that got fair to middling reviews at 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's, of course, based on the book, where he plays an adventurer up in the north, and he uh, has a dog for a companion.
0: All right, so that's what's coming to home video on Tuesday. There's something out. I want to give you a heads up on a popular show that is debuting its second season. In fact, it has debuted it on Netflix this weekend. Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini are back in Dead to Me.
1: Just heat it up at 300 and leave it in for 35 minutes. Thanks, Karen. It's my take on Mexican lasagna. Great. Jeff and I can't imagine what you're
0: going through. Well, it's like if Jeff got hit by a car and died suddenly and violently.
1: Like that. Well, you get that dish back to me whenever yep. you can. <laughs>
0: That's a clip from Season 1. In case you haven't seen it and want to check it out, didn't want to play a clip from Season 2. Applegate and Cardellini play two recently widowed women in this comedy drama. They bond during therapy. Applegate's character is in a dark, angry place while Cardellini is trying to be upde- upbeat. rather. But she's got a dark secret, and Season 1 is said to have an explosive ending. So Season 2, now available on Netflix. And one more Netflix note here. Just need to follow-up that I did, in fact, finish watching... My Money Heist, and it is electrifying. but
1: you do the
0: Everyone had their guns pointed at each other in that scene. It was just like a classic 90s action movie. It's in Spanish, by the way, but don't let that stop you. Going into last weekend, I had, I think, three or four episodes left for part three, and then the eight episodes of part four, as well as the hour-long documentary, Money Heist, The Phenomenon, and I plowed through all of them last weekend. To recap, just in case you haven't heard the couch potatoes in a little while... Part 4 of Money Heist debuted on April 3rd on Netflix. I'd never heard of this show, but I saw it was in the top 10, so I was curious. Checked it out. Learned it was a Spanish show about a group of crooks who hijacked the Royal Mint in Madrid so they can print 2.4 billion euros. I fell in love with the show immediately. Interesting thing about the show, too, is that it didn't do all that great in Spain. So once its second season finished airing there when they wrapped up the story of the Mint, that was it. No plans for more. But then Netflix picked it up. For whatever reason, people started watching it around the world. It became an international phenomenon, much like the documentary suggests. So they got two more seasons with a new heist, and a fifth season is on the way, which will continue the ongoing story of the current heist. Yes, it's in Spanish. Yes, you can change the language to English, but watch it in Spanish. The show, honestly, is as entertaining as anything I've ever watched. I have no problem saying this is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's got everything. Action, drama, romance, incredibly fleshed-out characters, all with interesting backgrounds. Way more more emotional than I expected it to be, and I all but guarantee this will be my number one show of 2020. Money Heist, watch it, it's amazing, you are listening to The Couch Potatoes.
1: Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes, I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and time now to discuss the penultimate episode of this season of Survivor. Oh, Natalie! It's like a bomb goes off. Danny's going for it. Get in? Yes. I'm dead. He doesn't want to go to the end tony and i are sitting down
0: this right now in this war is the hardest mission yet survivor
1: winners at war it was the second last episode this week and it was a two-hour ordeal which i knew the day before i watched it and forgot the day i watched it i also thought the kimmy schmidt special would be half an hour long and it was almost an hour and a half and The Survivor was two hours, and I started it all about 90 minutes before I wanted to go to bed, and so I stayed up extra late (laughs) to have to watch all this stuff last night. But there you go. It was a pretty good two hours of Survivor. It was weirdly paced. The first eviction came like 40 minutes in instead of an hour in. And that, of course, was Jeremy, who got booted out at the hands of Nick, pretty much. He was basically the swing vote there. And that's the... Nick had also won the immunity challenge there, too. But then right after that. Michelle won the next immunity challenge and it was Nick who got booted to Extinction Island. So they are gone and the only five people left are Tony, Sarah, Ben, Michelle, and Denise. But of course, one person from Extinction Island will come back next week, which will leave six. So the finale will have to have that Extinction Challenge and then three immunity challenges and tribal councils to get down to a final three and then have a final tribal. Now, Brett, they seems like a lot for what is now regularly about a two-hour 15 minute finale before the reunion. So maybe they'll even do a final four because I mean they've got all those extra jury members too. Only Sandra won't be a part of it, I guess. I don't know. I think I don't can't see them doing all that stuff that fast like that's four challenges and three tribal councils and then final final tribal. Do you think they can squish that into the finale?
0: Oh yeah, I think they could do that and I think it would make for a really, really? fun Sure. And uh, well cuz then this way they don't have to they can just do the challenges and they can just kind of skip through all the extra BS. Like when I saw that it was a two hour episode, and I know they had two evictions last night, so it was essentially like watching back to back episodes. But anytime I see that it's a two hour episode, I just groan. And I was the same thing. I, I saw a promo the day before it aired, so I saw a promo on Tuesday that said special two hour episode of Survivor. So I prepared yeah. myself for it. And then when I pressed play last night, Wednesday night, because we're recording <laughs> this on uh, Thursday afternoon. I I immediately said, ah, it's two hours because it was the same thing. I wanted to watch it and go to bed by a specific time, and I ended up (laughs) staying up way past that because it took me like three hours to watch the two-hour show because I'm so easily distracted. So I I think they could do it, yeah, because look look at all the extra crap they had in the show yesterday. The the last 15 minutes was essentially promo- For the season finale, which was fine, they they got me really excited about that promo, but or about the finale, but fifteen minutes of nothing.
1: Yeah, they did the whole recap of the season. Maybe oh well, maybe then they, I guess if they put that there, then they don't have to show the whole recap next week. Although they, I bet they will anyways. Well, they usually to... it's like seven or seven or eight minutes at the beginning where they tell you everything that
0: happened up till then. You know. Then they. It, it they've been skipping the recaps this year right like the episodes just start they, they usually they yeah. they have last week on survivor but now they just kind of get into it
1: yeah so huh, well whatever but uh, by this time next week we'll have all our answers or all our questions answered but they do have to have this uh, extinction island challenge and I, I don't know who do you think might come back and if they come back should they even win now natalie had 14 tokens i don't think it didn't seem like anyone else had more than two. I don't, unless the Boston Rob might have a couple. I can't remember if he bought something already or not. Anyway, she said she's stacked with three advantages for that challenge, and she also has an idol. Tyson and Rob also have idols that they can bring back into the game with you, them. I don't know. What What do you think about uh, who might be returning to the game?
0: Well, it's it's tough to to think that anybody can beat Natalie if she's got three advantages because she is. A physical beast. She, she's proven week after week on Edge of Extinction that she is one of the top guns in terms of physicality, in terms of endurance, and the fact that she was able to, that she was the first one voted out. She's been on the Edge of Extinction longest and she's still going, so I think she might be the most motivated, but it's always hard to, to rule out Boston Rob because he has such fiery passion for the game of Survivor. He just loves Survivor so much, and, and you can see it in his eyes. You can just see it burning in his eyes how badly he wants to win and be successful at Survivor. Uh, Tyson's, a, you know, it's tough because there are so many of them on Extinction and so many of them are capable athletes yeah. or capable, you know, uh, workhorses. But uh, my prediction is Natalie and not just because <laughs> I drew her for the pool. Uh, so when she went home first, I thought, oh. ah, come on. So I'm I'm rooting for Natalie to get back into the game. Or Sophie. I'd also like to see Sophie because she's the other one I have in my pool. But I think, you know, she has no chance.
1: I had uh, Denise, who's still in the game, and uh, Danny, who I don't think has any chance of winning it either. But even if Natalie makes it back in, and I actually, I'm with you, I think she will make it back in, and I'll probably root for her to win that challenge as well. But if she gets back in, I hope they vote her right back out because, honestly, this Thing with extinction island drives me nuts and like unless it's nick or jeremy i'll have a real hard time uh accepting whoever gets back in is getting back in because while they've you know been doing the hard camping the whole time they haven't been had to do any strategy really yeah and they just haven't they've been absent from the game and the last time they tried this trick the guy ended up winning it and everyone was mad about it so i don't, I don't like that they do it this late in the game the the tyson won fine but that should have you know sort of been the end of it i think
0: I have mixed emotions on this because it's part of the game now. So if it's part of the game, then they have every right to to compete, to come back and compete and even win. And even though they haven't had to do the strategy stuff, they haven't gotten any of the perks. They've had no rewards. I mean, they they did have a loved one's visit, but they've just had to suffer on the edge of extinction for the length of the game. So to, to go through all of that, I would suggest, might be even harder than playing the game itself. So if, if Natalie can come back from being on the edge of Extinction all the way from the beginning of the game and do well, I don't think I would have a problem with her winning. So, But I do also understand. Like I remember when that guy came back from Extinction and ended up winning the game. I I didn't really know what to say, but he did earn his spot. I mean, he they, they had a fire challenge, and he, he won the fire challenge, and he won his way into the final three, right? So... Yeah, that's
1: true. And actually, I like your point. This time around, like, that guy sat on Edge of Extinction and didn't have to do anything. This time, they put those guys to work because they have been doing their other challenges that have been for much lower stakes than what's going on in the regular game with, like, an immunity challenge or whatever. But, I mean, Natalie's run up and down the, the, the hill on that island, like, 50 times at this point. So, it's not like they've been just, like sitting there waiting for something
0: to happen. And another interesting thing about Natalie as well is, as you may recall, she has a twin sister. We first met the twins on The Amazing Race, right? Yeah. And, yeah. they, and they were they were two of the most obnoxious contestants in the history of The Amazing Race, because when they were yelling at each other, they would always yell, 20, 20, 20! They called each other 20 instead of twin, and they had these really high-pitched, annoying voices. But by herself, and on Survivor, I find Natalie to be much more grounded. She's not screaming and yelling all the time. Um, it could be because she's just older and more mature now, but I hated them on The Amazing Race, and I really like Natalie on Survivor, so... So uh, I respect her endurance, and she's kept her attitude upbeat throughout this whole thing. So if anybody comes back, I would like to like it to be her. Second would be, I, I, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to see Jeremy come back. I think it sucks that it got voted out. Nick is stupid, and he deserved to be voted out next because he made such a boneheaded mistake in getting rid of uh, Jeremy. So he signed his own death warrant. Nick is a Nick is unpredictable and sh- they should have got rid of him
1: long ago even though he's he seems like a minor threat compared to a lot of those guys but he's just he just blows with the wind no matter which way it's going so I you can't keep people like that in the game because as Jeremy found out it'll just be the end of you one day so who do you think if Natalie even comes back who do you think is actually going to win this thing I I'd say like the smart money's got to be on Tony because this guy's been just ruling the game but of course he'll have to get through like two or three more challenges and tribals. If he can if he gets into that final 3 or 4 whatever, he's got it for sure.
0: Yeah, I think if he makes it into the final 3 then it's his then he wins because he has proven that he is the most competitive, he's easily the most clever player on the game and all of these players respect this kind of gameplay, right? Like they, they can put their emotions aside and say, yep, yeah, Tony played a better game. I think the dark horse would probably be Sarah uh, because he, she's also played a very good game and she learned from her mistakes, I think, the first time out and she, when she came back the second time, she won. So she's just as shrewd as Tony, but he's just played more aggressively, I think, and that's enough to, to put him over because people just, they they no matter what, tony says or who he's talking to people believe him and that's a yeah. that's a quality that uh, you, you're not like you don't learn that you're just you just have it and he's able to command respect and get people to do what he wants uh, no matter how ludicrous it might sound
1: and i also think to that point for sure that if tony does get voted out before getting to the final three he's on extinction island or the barracks or wherever they're all gathered And so long as Sarah's not the one that crossed him, he'll be planting it in every other juror's ears that Sarah should be the winner because he'd want his friend to win and she'll have him rooting for her on the inside of that jury.
0: Yeah, so looking forward to the finale, three-hour finale on Global this Wednesday. And if you are late to the game and you want to get caught up, you can go to the Global TV app or you can get the episodes available on demand. Up next, The Tiger King is going to be portrayed by one of the most interesting movie stars of all time. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. In a moment, details on who is going to play Joe Exotic, the Tiger King. But first, just wanted to remind you as well if you're looking for other stuff to watch, that Michael Jordan documentary from ESPN, which you can watch on Netflix, The Last Dance, continues to be outstanding. Clyde the Glide says we're the two best in the game, but I'm not getting into a war of words with Mike. Clyde was a threat. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't a threat. But me being compared to him I, I took offense to that Episodes 5 and 6 debuted on Monday they were aired on ESPN on Sunday in the States Episode 5 in particular is sensational highlighting how Jordan and the Bulls dominated the Portland Trailblazers in the finals in 1992 I still remember, remember watching that first game in my parents' basement thinking how the hell is this guy so good and I just can't believe as I watch these highlights and remember them like shot for shot that it's been 28 years uh, then they focus on the dream team you remember the dream team the US men's basketball team greatest team ever assembled and Jordan dominated all those guys too it's not just sports fans by the way digging this documentary as I expected people who just enjoy documentaries in general are enjoying this show so also if you're a fan of the 90s then you'll like the vibe you know seeing the clothes they wore is kind of funny the music is great I believe there's even a Spotify playlist featuring the music too if you want to get on that there is some great music Uh, are you all caught up in this jeff i'm all caught up in it i look forward to it every uh, monday as
1: i watch it as soon as i possibly can and th- there was a whole section this time about uh the air jordans did you have air jordans back in the day
0: i never had air jordans because oh. i hated michael jordan at the oh, time oh that's that's right that's right you didn't like them. i had them and
1: i was i was not a huge basketball fan but i was an impressionable junior high young man and uh those were the shoes to have and you had to have them and they cost a fortune i was on the basketball team though so i used that to con my parents into spending like well, 80 or 100 bucks at the time to get me a pair i don't what do they cost now
0: oh, it must pro- be Probably a couple hundred bucks, I imagine. Jeez. It's been a long yeah. time since I bought basketball shoes. I had the <laughs> pumps, I had the reebok pumps. Oh, you would you would uh they would have beat
1: you up in our school. <laughs> really? We were a Nike school, not a Reebok school. There, there was like one kid who had the pumps, and he thought he was awesome, and everyone just made fun of him mercilessly. So.
0: Oh, man. No, I loved my pumps. Those were great. Uh, but, yeah, The Last Dance, so good. Uh, there are four episodes left. Two more will debut on Monday on Netflix, and then another two the following Monday, and that will be a wrap. Okay, what's going on with the Tiger King, Jeff? An Oscar winner has been
1: cast to play the Tiger King. My name's Joe Exotic. One of the hottest roles in Hollywood going to Nicolas Cage. Congratulations, you're human. The Oscar-winning actor will play Joe Exotic in a scripted series about the controversial Tiger King. The news first reported by Variety. It'll be an eight-episode series from Imagine Television and CBS, which will shop it around. And it's based not on the Netflix series, but on an article written for Texas Monthly. Apparently, the series will explore how Joe Schreibogel became Joe Exotic and is different from another series in which SNL's Kate McKinnon is on board to play Exotic's arch enemy Carol Baskin. The show would mark Cage's first TV series. Jason Athens and ABC News, Hollywood. You wouldn't think that you'd need any other version of. Joe exotic or the Tiger King period because that documentary is so nutso and bananas from beginning to end. How could anything ever top it but honest to god if if someone's going to try and do it, Nick Cage, who could be better? you know
0: I love Nicolas Cage I know he's made some some bad movies in his career he had like he had that stretch of just awful movie after awful movie because he was just taking the paychecks he had to pay off his tax debt, but he when he acts, when he actually delivers. He is excellent. He's an Oscar. Well, you mentioned he's an Oscar winner. Did you ever see Leaving Las Vegas? I own Leaving Las Vegas. That's a terrific movie. Oh, good. That's awesome. And I still loved him in all those 90s action movies. You know, Face Off, The Rock, even Fire. Con Air, despite the fact that his accent was terrible in that. <laughs>
1: I, I haven't seen that one in like twenty years. I need to watch that one again.
0: Yeah, it, it, I think of the three, that's probably the dumbest of the three. But still, Nicolas Cage is great. So I think this is wonderful news. Although this is the first I've heard that uh, Kate McKinnon is is going to be in a separate. Tiger King show. Like, how many Tiger King shows do we need? I know. That's just the thing. And especially considering
1: that, A, almost everyone's already seen the documentary. So it's not like you're going to capture a new audience. So there's like, what surprises could possibly be left? And honestly, how do you top that? And honestly, don't they do these? Usually, when they do a thing like this, it's for somebody good and noble, like a Gandhi or, <laughs> you know, Ray Charles or something like that but it's for this guy that's in jail and it's coming up right on the heels of everybody finding out about this guy. Like, you're usually supposed to wait 20, 30, 40, 50 years before you get a a biopic or series done about
0: you, no? I don't know, but hey, that's all the time we've got. I'm Brad, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening to this on the radio. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother